0: Welcome to the Bro Novo podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self work. Now, here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome, friends, to this week's episode. My guests this week are Julian D. Leonardo and Jackie Petit Home. They are both certified financial planners and are two of the three founding partners. Of Liberty One Wealth Advisors in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Jackie and Julian worked together at a large bank and eventually decided to go independent and start their own company to better serve the interests of their clients. And we get into a lot of the foundational information around what a financial planner does, how a consumer can educate themselves around who to work with, and the questions to ask uh, to make sure they're working with someone who has their best interest at heart. So a very educational and uh, informative episode. Enjoy. Okay, and we're recording. So financial services, finance, as it's known, has a uh, <laughs> often this this aura of mystery or some kind of confusion. You know, it has a certain prestige, the industry around it, and all of that. Um, it kind of feels intentional somehow. So Jackie will. Leave it with you. Start with you. Why do you think that is?
1: That's uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so for me, I think uh, for or I guess for a lot of people, there's uh, there's a lot of unknowns around investing, um, right? Um, there used to be a lot more barriers as well. Um, you know, back in the day, you used to call your broker, right, and you know, tell them what what's the hot stock of the day and what you want to buy and there used to be high costs and minimums, and it was really all about access. Um, and and now you can trade on your cell phone, right? Um, and I I think the the prestige point is a lot of it has been portrayed by some of these larger companies. Um, and I think it's been purposeful, right? Because some firms or, or warehouses can just be hide behind the brand, right? They can say, "Hey, listen, we're a big name brand. We've been around." For a long time, and you know we are the best of the best because of this and uh that lack of transparency can almost help m- most people think they're getting the best on the on the street um, but sometimes and a lot of the times that's not really the case, especially in today with technology and just how far the industry is advanced there's not really much you can get at one place that you really can't get from an ind- independent firm. Right. Um, you know, I don't know, Julian, you have anything to add to that? I I think a lot of it's just kind of the lack of transparency makes it easy to charge people for, for not much work. If that makes sense.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you take a look at the industry and we talk about this all the time. Uh, you can see everyone calls themselves a financial advisor or a wealth manager. And a lot of them are commission-based insurance salesmen, right? So this prestige, this mystique around wealth management leads to that lack of transparency and enables a lot of people to uh, portray themselves differently than they may act, right? They act like they're fiduciaries. A lot of times uh, they're commission-based salesmen, right? So they're selling a product, not necessarily what's best for people. And they can do that. Right, because they have that implicit trust from people because of the brand name, because of the uh, prestige and mystique around around what they're doing. So they are going to be great advisors at every different place, every different firm, every different insurance company. Uh, but for the most part, uh, we can't be blinded by that aura, of the name, uh, or that, that or the logo. Round, right, a happy. logo
1: is just a logo. You got to Remember, you're dealing with with people, right? So you want to make sure that you're working with someone that uh, knows what they're doing, right? And can portray what value they're bringing, how they work in for you.
0: Mm -hmm. So Julian mentioned um, different types of insurances. Like what types of insurance products is he referring to?
1: So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we've seen in our experience where, you know, we, we'd we speak to a prospective client or have a new client and they say, yeah, you know, my old uh, financial advisor, you know, helped me out with my financial plan. And uh, we'd speak to them and we unlook and basically they were just sold a, a ton of insurance policies, right? Um, and, you know, we're planners, insurance are extremely important, right? It's, it's part of your financial plan. Um, but a lot of folks sometimes fall into, uh, you know, this pattern where, they see a commercial on TV about saying, hey, help prepare for your college, you know, college savings for your children, help prepare for retirement. And then it's an insurance company. So sometimes uh, we see that, hey, you know, yes, is insurance absolutely important and vital to your financial plan? Of course. But, you know, in insurance, isn't the only answer to to what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so that is really more so, I guess, the point that June was alluding to. That um, you know, they they talk to these these individuals, and you know, they say everything's a nail to a hammer, right? So if you speak to someone an insurance policy, an insurance agency, every answer they're gonna have for you right. is is insurance, right? So um, That's the best thing ever, yeah, it's what you need, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you're saving for retirement, here's an annuity, right? Oh, you're saving for college, here's an annuity, right? Um, so um, we just tell folks to be mindful of who they work for and back to the thing, right? If, if they work for an insurance company, you know, they're going to give you insurance. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's like little, usually yeah. the issue, right? Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So, so how do we differentiate then, I guess, from that type of maybe peddling services people don't need to actual investment, management or kind of investment advice and um for example you are a a business that offers uh financial services investment advice uh wealth management so what are those services you provide and what differentiates you from you know the insurance peddlers
1: (laughs) yeah um i'll I'll be happy to take this Uh, uh julian if you're still having some tech issues um so I think the first thing to differentiate is, uh, like, we like to lean on, especially with our, uh, where how we will help with our clients is transparency, right? Um, we have insurance partners and, you know, we, I started in insurance, right? And understanding that there's a time and a place for every piece, right? Um, so if you speak to someone and you're trying to Save up for a big expense or retirement. Um, you know, if if you really pay attention to what they're offering, it, it, you can usually easily figure out that oh, this person is just just has insurance, right? So for us, we always tell folks to think about their financial plan as all the major pieces. If you have an, if you need insurance, of course, go to an insurance specialist, right? Like I'm a CFP, Julian's a CFP, our other two partners are CFPs. We, we're very dangerous in the insurance space, but we still bring an insurance partner, right, to help bridge that piece. But at the end of the day, our clients work with us because we're helping them take care of everything, right? We're the CFO of their life. We're bringing in all the pieces together. Um, so folks just need to realize that, hey, listen, you need to work with a planner, right, and not particularly just an insurance person for your entire uh, picture if that makes sense
0: yeah for sure and my um, understanding of financial advisors is that they were specifically investment specialists so essentially this group or individual is going to help take my pot of money and grow it more than I would be able to grow it by myself even including you know the commission or kind of the profit they make from the service they provide.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great point. That That's oftentimes what people think of when they first think of a financial advisor. Uh, but as you've seen, it, it's really changed over the past couple of decades where our goal is to provide value beyond just the investments, right? The investments are commoditized. You can go on to Vanguard and, and buy whatever you would like, right, for essentially no cost, right? A negligible amount uh but when we're working with clients so much of what we do and our our largest value comes from building a financial plan for them and navigating their cash flows navigating their uh tax implications right when should we do a Roth conversion when should we uh should we be contributing how much to the 401k knowing that they're going to change jobs soon right all these different things happening in their life around their personal life their their family planning uh to their investment life what can we help them with, right? And how can we add value? How can we save them time? Um, I think I, I say this So, Jackie two months ago, helped one of our clients buy an RV, right? Uh, so really anything that we can do for somebody, we do, right? We want to be their personal CFO and it goes, it goes far beyond just uh, the tickers on the screen, the investment management component.
0: Right. Now I'd imagine too, it's like times like right now, say there's, Inflation eating away at someone's budget, investments are down, you know, the summer's about to end, there's probably some school tuitions coming due, you know, probably now is when you're getting more calls, I would imagine, than when times are kind of, you know, happy days and everybody's, you know, riding a a good market.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that's where a lot of the planning comes in. Uh, So we were at all-time highs uh, in January. And those were times when we were encouraging clients to take money off the table. Right? Not a significant amount, but let's trim our positions. Right? Let's continue to trim our positions knowing that uh, bear markets will come. They will always come. Right? There's no doubt um, that there will be a pullback at some point. We're in it right now. Uh, so if we plan ahead, we can make sure everyone has cash on hand. And when they have cash on hand, we can either reinvest it or use it for things like college tuition, just like you spoke about.
1: Yeah. And and to add to Julian's point, you know, I I spoke to a client a a few weeks ago, right when we hit bear market for the first time. And uh, she asked, Jackie, what should we be doing? And I said, well, we already did it a year ago. Right. Um, And that's why I like to say. A difference is, you know, back to your point by financial advisor, a financial advisor is going to wait for the storm to start preparing for the storm. Right. If you have a good planner, right. The things that we're experiencing today we've, we've been put in place, right. A year ago, six months ago. So now of our clients say, yeah, we're in a bear market. Okay. We talked about this already and they know what actions we're going to take to take advantage of this bear market. Um, so that's our one thing is what I would add on is a little bit of difference, about from a planner and an advisor, where a planner is looking down the road and finding the best ways to be proactive, right. And, and, you know, because we know the storm is coming, right? The markets are cyclical, so let's not act surprised when it does happen.
0: For sure. How, how does one define um, a bear market? And I guess for anyone who's not familiar with these terms, bull and bear, what are the differences?
1: It's, it's a great question. Um, so I'll like to, the bull and the bear. I'll uh, a bull is a someone who thinks the market's going up, simply, right? The for whatever reasons, whatever metrics they're looking at, they think the is going to go up or particular stock is going up and uh, a bear thinks the opposite, right? So if you think a good way to remember is like, you know, when a bull is, you know, has its horns, it pulls its horns up. Right. And the bear bears, they bear down right They They have their paws up and they kind of come down. Um, on you. So, like, I think that's a good way to kind of remember uh, <laughs> how it I, I know it's kind of funky, but, like, that's how I always remembered it since... And then they eat Yeah, you. exactly. Then they eat you, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so. And then... Um,
0: Sweet. And so, what are the metrics? Like, when you said, uh, now we're in bear territory, What is, like, how do you guys define that?
2: Correct. So, so it's a, a 20% drawdown, yeah. right, from, from the prior position right so we we essentially hit it uh, a couple weeks back right we've recovered since then uh and then last week you saw a slight drawdown uh from where we were previously um so there's always going to be volatility right but making adjustments as you see these uh things happening in the market is is extremely important
0: awesome okay so i think i have a better understanding of what um a financial planner does as opposed to just an advisor and who needs these services. Now I'd imagine there's a threshold of savings or at least at the very least earnings potential, you know, so how do you guys decide who to take on and who are the, what's the kind of profile of your clients?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So with the caveat that you're speaking to fiduciary, Uh, The earlier, the better, right? The sooner you can talk to a fiduciary, the better. Um, Education is a huge part of what we do for our clients. And because so much of investing is about compounding, the impact you can have is far higher in your earlier years, right? The more you know now, the greater an impact you can have. Um, If you are speaking to a fiduciary, we had this situation last week. Uh, We essentially had to tell two individuals, right, Essentially, you're not in position to invest right now, right? They had six hundred thousand dollars, but they had a lot of things in the way that were going to impede their ability to invest for the next decade for the next twenty years. right So if you're speaking to a fiduciary, they're in a position to tell you, hey, it's not a good fit for you right now." Um, with that, I think our clients range uh, across the board. Uh, Jackie and I have uh, been in the business between five and 10 years uh, between us, uh, not between us, but each. Um, we've built out different client bases and essentially uh, work with all different types of people ranging from you know 60-year-olds, 80-year-old retirees, uh, and, and 30-year-olds just getting started. But Jackie can certainly elaborate a little bit on that as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's a good point too, right? I think, um, you know, there, there really isn't a, a switch, right? Where you say, Oh, I've got X amount of money saved up, or I'm finally making so much money. Right. Um, it's why I usually tell folks it's you're better off speaking to a planner too early than too late. Right. Um, we get calls in all the time, right? Kids who just got out of college say, Hey, I need to talk to a planner. I want to you know pay for a plan. Like, listen, you know, back to the fiduciary conversation, right? But like, we're not going to charge you for a plan or to work with you where we we can't add value to what you're doing. You just got out of college. You know, Julian spent, I think, an hour and a half with someone yesterday or last week that called in and said, listen, you need to do, you know, make sure you're saving X amount. Make sure you get your emergency fund in, in order, right? Pick a good allocation, 401k. Keep it, whatever you're investing in, right? Just state weather the storm and just make sure that, they're on the right footing, right? Moving forward. So then over the next five, 10 years, when life adds complexity, right? When they want to build a family, buy a house, right? Or they change jobs. um, Then they're like, okay, you know what? Now I'm ready for a planner because, you know, there are a lot of things going on where there might be tax implications or just long-term implications from a retirement standpoint. Um, So that's why we always tell folks, you know, Make sure your speak to a fiduciary, a CFP, because back to the insurance thing, right? If you bring it to someone who's just out there, just, you know, <laughs> lack of a better term, just slinging policies left and right, they don't care where that money is or how long you need it. They're going to throw you into something. You'll never see them again, right? Um, like I said, I started the industry. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, so always make sure you're talking to someone who, you know, cares about you and cares about your well-being, right? Um, so that would be, you know, hate to give you a nine answer but, you know, there really isn't a kind of, you know, I wish there was an easy, you know, list of items to check yeah. off, right? To to talk to a planner.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's good to know too, right? I mean, even if someone is really proactive and ambitious and has zero dollars saved, it's not, it costs no money to like schedule a free appointment with a planner, okay. right? You know, if they're really going to kind of be proactive and want to educate themselves, there are groups out there and also the internet. Um, so I, I guess the even fer- previous step would be getting out of the rat race and getting out of living paycheck to paycheck, sure. which as we know so many Americans specifically, and then also I don't even know globally what the figure is, but probably more considering we're one of the wealthiest countries. People are in that. So when it comes to kind of the, the basics of budgeting, Controlling spending, you know, how did you guys learn and where would you point someone who needs help kind of getting their personal finances under control?
1: Um, so I'll say, yeah, um, I'll say for me, I learned the hard way. Um, so, uh, I mean, I worked through college, paid through college, right? I had ton of jobs in college. Uh even graduate early because I couldn't afford to uh keep keep staying on, right? I got to, I had to get into the workforce <laughs> and, and make some money. Uh so I tell folks there's there're th- three different places you can be, right? You can be where your income is higher than what your bills are, right? Your real bills, food, you know, utilities, right? Keeping the lights on, right? And if, if that is the case, you have to have a real honest conversation with yourself and say, okay, like what can I cut out? Right. And um, we hear it all the time. You know, folks say, oh, stop getting that, you know, five dollar coffee every day and stop doing this or the avocado toast. Right. That's a funny thing. But um, my my (laughs) opinion is really instead of I I call budget a a profanity. Right. Because everyone feels restrictive. I like to call it a spending plan. Right. So if you do like that five dollar Starbucks, if that's what gets you going and keeps your day like fine then get your five dollar stuff, buy your avocado toast. But then take that as something else, right? If you if you don't watch TV all the time, you don't watch cable, cut the cable cord. Save your money so then you, when you're buying your coffee, when you're buying your avocado toast, you can feel better about it, right? Um, if you're in a place where your income is exactly what your bills are, it's a little tougher situation. I've been there. And guess what? You got to figure it out, right? Um, either find ways to increase your income or sometimes you got to find ways to lower what those expenses are, right? Um, That's not an easy conversation. I've had those conversations with folks together uh, before. um, And that's just, unfortunately, the the reality, right? You got to figure out how to slim. And I tell folks, if you can save $20 a month, and that's where you can start, then save $20 a month. Sometimes the building the habit of saving is more important than how much you're saving, Right. Um, and if you're in a position where what's coming in is below than what you've got to pay out, that's of course the worst place to be. And usually sometimes that's a situation where you might need to seek help from social, different types of social services until you get back on your feet. Right. Or, you know, speaking with family, working with family, living with people, you know, sometimes you have to get, uh, you know, creative, um, but you know, everyone's situation is a fingerprint, right? And there's different nuances, but, um, that is, that is of course the most difficult place to be. And you've got to figure out how to either increase the income or decrease the expenses. Um, but like I said, also, I felt a lot of folks get in, figure out what those social programs are, uh, to kind of help level the playing field. Um, you know so like I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but like that's usually how we look at those three different pieces right if if you're if you know you're making well over above, but for some reason, you can't find somewhere to save, I tell people save yourself uh pay yourself first when you get paid, if you have direct deposit, have it automatically deposit in the account that you can't touch right um, I tell people all the time, pay yourself first because twenty thirty years from now when you retire, visas. It's not gonna come to you. American Express is not gonna come to you and say, hey, listen, thanks, John. You know, you've been paying your visa bill on time for the last 30 months. Here's some money for retirement, right? You know, your cable bill is not gonna, they're not gonna say, hey, thanks for being such a loyal customer for 30 years. Here's some money for retirement. So pay yourself first, because at the end of the day, you're the only person responsible for your own retirement and your own financial savings, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it totally does. I like that too, the, the kind of psychology of saving, because whether it's, yeah, it's $20 a month, starting with that, kind of making that connection in the brain and, and and then making it a habit, it can grow and compound over time. And before you know it, it could be $200 a month and then over time it's more and more. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, this guy, Jordan Harbinger has a great podcast and he had a guest on who's both, uh. A PhD in psychology and a CFP mm-hmm. so actually very qualified yeah. to talk about the psychology of money and he was saying how the way we grew up and the, the spending habits we observed as kids has a massive impact mm-hmm. on how we think about money um, and kind of in line with my show, talk you know the whole theme is you know healthy communication for men talking about things and the idea that being expressive and communicating honestly is better than holding it in actually talking about money is is one of those major taboos, right? Because people, we don't want to be rude or we don't want to be presumptuous or, you know, we don't want to try to look flashy, whatever the situation is. But actually having these conversations, even with friends too, about, hey, man, how do you budget? Yeah. Like, how how do you get through this crazy world? You know, there's a lot of value mm-hmm. in that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I uh, actually wrote a, an, uh, a blog about that, just saying that people are not, for openly, you know, communicative about money and savings, even within family, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I watch my mom just, you know, bust her butt working a ton of jobs to kind of make the bills paid. So that's how I figured that you had to do it, right? Like I was like, oh, you just got to, you know, work 80, 90 hours a week. And then that's how you get your bills paid, right? So um, it it is very important how people communicate, can, sh- it should be more open, topic right so
0: totally awesome so you know liberty one your your brand uh i saw it because julian and i went to high school together so i saw it launch on linkedin a couple of years back and i was super stoked so how, how did you guys come to the entrepreneurial path and within your industry the path you're on is called going independent so what does that mean and in, in, in the context independent from what
2: yeah. So, so a few different questions there. So starting with how Jackie and I initially started working together, we were at a major warehouse. Um, we were essentially working in close proximity to each other, right? And Jackie, as you can probably tell is a louder person. So it was easy to get to know him <laughs> all the time. Uh, our skill sets complemented <laughs> each other pretty significantly. Um, so we started to work together on, on clients, um, and prospective clients and, and building out businesses, uh, together. And over time we got closer and closer, uh, when we essentially were there, uh, we had a really great foundation, right? And what we started to see was that the best area for our clients was going to be going independent, right? The best move we can make for them was going to be going independent, A lot of that was because of two things. We wanted freedom of choice around finding the best products for our clients, right? Whether that be investments, the financial planning software, uh, the custodian we're using, right? Who's holding the assets? Are they the best option for our clients? And the second piece is no conflicts of interest, right? When we left our former firm, we made it clear to clients why we did it. Uh, We wanted to ensure we're always working directly for them. Not for the bank, right? The client agenda is our agenda. Chanel is an independent firm. That's exactly how it is, where I work directly for Tom Pierce, right? I work directly for every one of our clients that we work with, as opposed to being an employee of a large wirehouse, a large bank, right? The client hires you, but there's always going to be a degree of influence that they are trying to essentially input in your space so that they can look to increase their stock value, right, their shareholder value. So that was the biggest reason we did it. And over time, it just became more and more clear that we could do it, right? Because we have great clients, great relationships. We work really well together. And one of the biggest things that made it possible is the increase in technology, right? So you've seen that. It was a lot harder to go independent 20 years ago. Now, because there's a lot more technology, you can add a custodian. You can do paperwork on e-signature, right? Something very simple, but that helps a lot. <laughs> um, it made it a lot easier to go independent and do the best job possible for your clients. Jackie, is there anything to add there?
1: No, I think. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Like, our at the end of the day, we started to feel it slip that the agenda was no longer the client's agenda right? Where we were previously. And that is, for, I think for us, like really the biggest reason why we, we start to look around and see like, you know, a lot of these other teams and planners that we actually knew and looked up to they were they did the right, you know, the same thing. And we figured, okay, there might be something there, um, right? Back to the, also the brand thing, right? You know, we had the brand like, oh, this is the place you want to be, right? There's they said they always used to say, Oh, they want what we have and we believed it, right? Um, until, you know, we did some due diligence on our end and, and saw that, yeah. okay, there there is a better place to build a platform for for our clients
2: yeah essentially a huge team we were we were close to like looked up to you know you're always trying to share ideas with some of the best guys um and they left and jack and i just looked at each other that day and we were like wait you can do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can leave and then That's it was like wait, him, you, wait people can do that and then it was wait <laughs> can we do that uh yeah. so we we got the ball rolling you know and it's it's been fantastic uh and our clients have been great and it's been a, it's been a great spot for us so far
0: Yo, how nice is it not having to like look over your shoulder if you want to clock out at three, for example?
2: I, I, I think it's more it's more that you get to direct <laughs> what's on your calendar. You know, everything on your calendar matters. There's no sure. uh, there's no obscure company right. meeting that doesn't apply to you or shouldn't apply to your clients. You know, one yeah. of the last straws for us was they started offering you know two hundred dollars for client associates, so so the people that work on our team to open checking accounts. And yeah. does Tom need a checking account? Does Tom want a checking account? I don't know, but if <laughs> he does, he'll ask me, you know. Yes. You shouldn't be incentivized what? to do that for people. Um and that yeah. for us was the line, you know, and that was the day that that we were like we can't <laughs> we can't be here anymore. Yeah.
0: Did did they see the Wells Fargo thing and think that's
2: yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, like like what <laughs> it's, I, I've seen this movie before you know I've seen yeah. this movie
1: before yeah it, um, it's, it's funny you bring that up um, Tom I had a when I relocated from South Florida um, I had a very short stint at Wells Wells Fargo Advisors uh, during that time and I would say I felt uh, there was a, a deja vu almost because there was emails going out on who's opening how many checking accounts and things. I was like, man, this feels familiar. And it it didn't leave a good feeling in neither of our stomachs, I'd say. Um, no. So. And when you're having yeah. to protect clients from
2: your employer, you know, yeah. then, then it was time to go. Because it felt like every day it was it was a battle yeah. where it's like, no, don't reach out to my client about this this topic. They don't need that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mortgages, things like mortgages, let's get them the best rate possible. They don't need to use us. You know and, and all the little things started to build up, and the you know the stress of trying to essentially protect them and, and make sure that you're doing the best job possible because we try to be as high character as we can be. Um, try to be fiduciaries, right? We are fiduciaries now full fiduciaries. Uh, but that just got to be too much and it was time to go, and everything went fantastic better than, than we could have thought, I think at the time.
0: I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. Following this conversation with our guest, I'll be giving my reflections in the conversation, what we discussed, and what stood out to me most. Get involved in the conversation. Find me on Instagram at BroNouveauPod, or send me an email, Thomas at bronouveau.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Enjoy the rest of the show. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure they appreciated that the clients because you, you know, were looking out for their best interest. Um, so part of that transparency too is the fee structure, right? So I think you guys listened to my episode with Paul, who was pretty. Um, he was specifically talking about, you know, a 401k context, but also sometimes some financial advisors, and kind of uh, was poo pooing their <laughs> their fee structure. So <laughs> how did you guys approach? Uh, how how you were going to make your money from, from the services provided and how does that differ than the industry standard or is it the industry standard?
1: So I think for us, so our, our standard has been the, the assets under management, right? Just the, the cost is based off what we're actually managing. Right. Um, And, and for me, I guess, and also Julian, right, we work together. um, I think it's, the, the ideal way because most transparent, right? Back to the fiduciary thing. I feel like there's been the word of the day here, but you know, our clients quarterly, they get a, a, an email saying, listen, over the last quarter, this is what happened to your accounts, what you were billed, right? And what your performance and all those fun things. So we're able to just be transparent and say, listen, this is what we're doing like on your behalf. Um, right. And, um, you know, there are a lot of different ways out there. There's a lot of different, there are folks that are commission-based, like we said, once upon a time. Um, and there are also, there are folks out there that might be like a one-time fee plan, right? Um, you know, and Julian can speak to us more, right, about the one-time fee plans, but for us, you know, sometimes that not, may, may not be the best thing for someone because it's just a, a snapshot, right? Just where you are right now, um, and, you know, where, you know, that, that doesn't really help you five months from now, six months from now, Julie, mm-hmm. anything to add to that?
2: No, I, I think when we did this and, and that day we sat down and said, you know, should we, should we, uh, launch our own firm? Should we go independent? Uh, because we were in that position, we were able to build this exactly what we thought was best for clients. Right. And, and our goal is to be bulletproof. Right? Every aspect of the business, whether it's investments, uh, costs, uh, partners that we work with, planning software, everything we do, we were able to put time into and pick the best one. So this isn't a legacy choice from you know, 2003 that it just happens to be here. This is what we have felt is best for clients. Um, and the reason for that is because we sit on the same side of the table as them. Right? When things are going well, we're part of that. When things uh, there's a drawdown like there has been over the past six months – um, we're part of that as well. And, and it's important. Incentives drive behavior in the world, whether people like it or not. So it's important to note when they're, you know, when somebody's investigating or, or interviewing who they're going to work with, ask yourself, what incentivizes this person? How, how are they incentivized by who they work for? And is that what's best for me? You know, are there incentives to essentially sell something and, and move on? Are there incentives to you know get me a checking account, whatever it may be? uh, If it's best for you, that's fine. Um, But it's important to know what that answer is. And for us, it's all about continued long-term growth. We would say, you know, we want thirty-year relationships with our clients. I want to work with somebody for as long as as they are comfortable working with us. Do the best job we can, and the way we are incentivized essentially enables that to happen where we're there every day. Rent is due every day, uh, looking to do the best job possible for them.
0: Awesome. So the, essentially the more you grow the pile, your uh, commission grows. And then if the, performance is low or, or smaller than your commission is commensurately smaller, essentially.
2: Essentially. Yes. Yes. Without the word commission, the word commission is a little, uh, it's not the word of choice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That makes it more salesy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Awesome guys. Awesome. So if we could go to some specifics for the moment, um, let's say there's a, you know, like a index fund investor who's sweating right now or someone who's considering um, working with a financial planner, you know, like we said in the beginning, these downtimes or these challenging times are when, you know, there could be value added. So, you know, what are you doing for your clients right now in the downturn? And, yeah, so what are the kind of uh, steps? You said you, a lot of it's preparation, but, you know, the day-to-day, you know, what do your days look like now in this specific... Uh, environment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think a lot of what we've been doing is, is buying into the weakness, right? Knowing that in time, everything is cyclical, and won't come back around. The way our portfolios are built, we run a rules-based rebalancing strategy, right? So when the market is down and hits a trigger point, we're rebalancing, selling bonds and buying stock, right? And on the reverse side, when the market's up, we are trimming that stock position over time. So in 2020, we were running this. It was fantastic, right? We bought within two days of the bottom uh, and trimmed that position the whole way up, which is exactly what we want to be doing. Uh, That taking emotion out of it is what enables our clients to be in a good position right now. Uh, Because those that in January were buying all these uh, aggressive tech stocks, the telehealth, you know, the Rokus of the world, they've gotten slammed. Uh, And it's going to be extremely hard to come back from that. So a lot of it is that planning ahead piece, right? Like you said, the second aspect is what can we be doing now, right? That plans ahead for next year and the following year. And for a lot of people, that's going to be things like Roth conversions. So that's taking pre-tax money, converting it to post-tax money in a Roth. Uh, if it was 10,000 at the beginning of this year, it's probably, you know, 8,000 now, or it was, you know, last month. And so you're converting that 8,000. As opposed to 10, saving on the 2000 taxes, knowing that the market's going to come back, or 2000, that would be additional 2000, that would be taxable, knowing the market's going to come back in time, cyclical. And if you're buying, if you're investing responsibly, buying responsibly, that's a great thing to do. Um, The other piece is tax loss harvesting. So offsetting gains you've had in the account over the past two years with losses, right, to help save yourself on the tax side. And I, I think really just looking to increase participation in the market by buying when you see opportunity. So we spoke about it from a rebalancing perspective, but a lot of our clients have had cash on hand and we want to continue to prioritize buying in responsibly over time. So we put money in uh, essentially every month, a lot of clients doing dollar cost averaging. But if we do have larger sums of money, they get a bonus. They have restricted stock units uh, that they want to diversify across the board. There's a lot of opportunity now to do that and see that growth five, 10 years out where you're thanking yourself for buying in at a time like this.
0: Awesome. So, so with the tax loss harvesting, is that intentionally putting in a position that is going to lose To avoid the tax burden, if I'm understanding that correctly.
2: Great question. So it's it's the name, right? Sounds like you are buying something intentionally to lose, but essentially tax loss harvesting is you have an investment that's down, right? Let's just say uh, it's an international stock, right? You can sell that; it's down. You sell it. You buy into something similar, not the same. And you're taking that tax loss. So if you bought it at ten, you sell it at eight. You're taking that negative two thousand, and that offsets any gains in other investments. So it's reducing your overall tax burden. Gotcha. Uh, but you still maintain the exposure from an investment perspective. Right. So it's a lot easier if you draw it out. You know, a lot of times for clients we have no, uh, illustrations. But you're yeah. essentially mitigating their taxes down the road by making these proactive decisions.
0: Cool. So they're still gonna get the same participation at eight thousand in a similar stock, and the same recovery in theory. But now they're down; they have two thousand less
2: in gains. Taxes due at the end of the year. Exactly two thousand less in gains that they. Because they, I mean, the market's been great for the past you know two years. Of course, there's always choppiness um, for the past decade even. But if you can take some of those gains you have over the past couple of years and offset them, right, decrease them then your your capital gains tax, your 15%, 20% that you would owe, is now on a lesser dollar amount.
0: Awesome. Very interesting stuff.
2: That's the planning. That's the planning. Yeah, that's the planning. Yeah, that's the planning aspect.
1: And to that list, right? And I think one thing as well, like if you're working with a planner, right, there's opportunity in every market. Of course, in a great market, it's easy, it's low-hanging fruit. But in a down market, right, in a bear market, there's still plenty of opportunity. There's still plenty of things to do for clients. Um, And that's why I said, you know, that's why we're different, right, from a financial advisor, right? There's always something to do to help better your client's position, no matter what the market is doing.
0: Awesome. Well, I love that attitude. (laughs) I certainly would want my money with a group as responsible <laughs> and committed to me. Yeah. This
2: yeah. People are, people are going to think you're paid to say that. No. There was no yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah was, uh,
0: no, but, but actually, I mean, this is a great, this is great foundational knowledge, you know, of, of kind of like what are the questions that anyone listening should be asking. Um, and what are the differences? Like for me, the big distinction between an advisor and a planner is, is significant. Cause it sounds like it's also a mindset, you know, mm-hmm it's not it's not just about growing the you know aAUM for someone's benefit it's about actually you know taking care of the client in, in the long term um,
2: exactly and finances are extremely emotional right so you know you talked about the guest that was on Harbinger's uh, podcast um, where he's a psychology PhD and, and CFP Um, but you want to make sure that, that you are very attentive to that, because if you handle the emotional piece, then you can be uh, extremely deliberate and extremely proactive on the financial piece. Right? Because everybody's comfortable with your decisions, they understand it, and you're hearing them, and you're hearing their needs. Uh, so if you can handle that piece to the best of your ability, everybody's comfortable, and the portfolio will perform better, right? Because they're comfortable buying it in times like now, times like March 2020.
0: Mm -hmm. totally awesome well i think we'll we'll round it off just a question about your your company and your guys vision as the founders so you know with the uh i'd say opportunity for everyone to get in the game like you talked about you know technological advances and kind of um lower barriers to entry for investing and opening a firm you know now in in theory like the the types of clients you could be seeing over the coming in the door the next 10, 20 years, are going to have that, you know, corporate social responsibility mindset. And what's the character of the people who I'm giving my money to. Um, so just wanted to ask about kind of the, the brand identity you guys have. Um, cause you know, it is a diverse brand, um, from a number of identity points and, you know, does that matter to you guys? Is that part of the plan and is it intentional or, where does that kind of representation fit into the the organization?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I I would say one is absolutely intentional. Well, I guess on my part, I mean, I was born this way, so I guess you know, <laughs> I was kind of different. But um, yeah, you know, I think Julian, uh, <laughs> Julian, and I, you know, um, we we you know we we realized very early on that like you know one you know, the, the space needs more diversity. Like that's, everyone knows that that's no secret. Um, but, you know, it, it also helped realize that, you know, it gave us perspective, right? Um, you know, it, it was something that, you know, we're, we aren't as people one-dimensional. So as a team, we shouldn't be one-dimensional, right? Um, so it's always important to realize that we want to represent the type of clients we want to serve. And for me, I want to serve everyone, Right. No, you know, like for me, I don't care how you look like. I just want you to be someone who trusts my knowledge and wants to work with me long term. Right. And we won't be on the same page. And, um, you know, we've had prospective clients reach out to us and say outright, like, yeah, we picked on you because you're the only diverse team that we can, you know, that we can find and two would pick up the phone when we called. Right. Um, So it is important. And I think it's something that's becoming people are becoming more aware of that. Um, and, uh, I think for me personally, uh, it's, I want to make sure that I am doing the best that I can and, you know, building a great firm, great organizations because the college version of me did not know this was an, even an option, you know, uh, you know, the, w- w- there, there's industries and spaces that still need to work. And sometimes it's all about just kind of seeing someone do it. So, you know, Hey, that's. I can I can take that route as well, um, so yeah. So I, I think it's very important. I think it's something we we do as well. We make sure that we are always speaking on everyone's voice and point of view. Um, and I, I hope, and I, I've seen that that is increasing. But there's definitely a lot of room to go.
0: Totally, yeah. yeah representation yeah. matters, right? And, and kind of having diversity in, yeah, identity, but also, um, ideologically, sure. right. Or, uh, intellectual diversity. And, and I wonder too, is that, is that part of how, you know, you guys mentioned a few times that your team works well together. Is that part of it? You know, having sessions where there's disagreement and kind of constructive conflict?
2: I, I absolutely.
1: think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Jackie and I are from different backgrounds. You know, he grew up in Florida, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, um, different upbringings, different backgrounds, different colleges. He went to University of Florida, which is a real shame. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think differences of opinion on things are important. Um, if if it's all one-sided, it's, things aren't going to be run effectively. Uh, they're not going to be run in a way that essentially can help all different types of people. Um, and we want to appeal to people, Right. But more than that, we want to essentially be a benchmark for for what things can look like going forward. Um we try to be different in a really great way and try and really make an impact on, on things uh in the ways that we can.
1: Yeah. And I like to provide some insight. Julian went to University of Miami, so that's why there's there's a there's a, uh, you know, there's okay. there's mm. some I'd say somewhat jealousy, but it's okay. we we'll, you know, we don't have time to cover that. Um <laughs> But, you know, it is a good point, right? Like, um, you know, something that we did pick up right from our old firm, which we used to actually mock all the time, but it makes sense where like one plus one should equal three in a team, right? And uh, when Julian and I started working together, it was like he loved everything that I did not like or care for and vice versa, right? Like I'm obviously the mouth in the room, (laughs) right? And, and, uh, you know, Julian isn't, right? And like, I think like that, when you think about personality types and just cultural perspective as well, right, that helps because we don't really meet any prospective clients that at least one of the four of us can't really relate to, right? Um, And and that's why it matters more than anything, right? Because people work with people who they can relate to and understand them and know where they're coming from, right? Anyone I meet that's Haitian, up here in Philly, they're immediately my best friend, right? Because they're in Florida, South Florida, everyone is Haitian. So here I meet someone Haitian, we're we're best friends. That's it, you know, so um, and and that that goes with every facet of life, right? People want to work with people that understand them, um, and they're easily be more open as well, right? when it comes to this conversation about their savings and their finances, which can be a tough topic to speak about.
0: totally awesome guys well thank you for the time and all the insights um i usually end the game with a a conversation game it's not the game the the podcast um third episode in a row still can't find that deck of cards so i'll just ask you guys some two random questions if that's okay sure (laughs) okay so julian we'll start with you if you could live and work anywhere in the world where would it be and why
2: that's a tough one I mean how much how much risk do you take here uh, you know I think you look at it, <laughs> you look at it I think you know um, I'm obviously Italian Julian Uh I think it'd be great to be in southern Italy great weather you know great food uh, so I'd look somewhere like that um, that that works for me off the cuff
0: awesome obviously Italian yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <somewhat>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, awesome. And Jackie, I, I see the Spider-Man. Oh,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Um, behind you, Is, are, are you a uh, a comic?
1: I, fan? I am. I, I'll say I am a I am a I appreciate comic books because I can't say fan because sometimes people hit me with trivia and stuff. I'm like, whoa. I'm, uh, <laughs> but yes, I am a okay. comic fan. Yeah, I gotta give you that little okay. asterisk.
0: <laughs> so, if you could uh, be or participate in any of the worlds of you know, any DC, Marvel, whatever, take your mm. pick. Which, uh, which one would you jump into and why?
1: That's a great one. Um, they're all very dangerous. I, would say, I was about to say, yeah, they're all very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Marvel <laughs> because I prefer Marvel over DC. Well, I prefer Marvel movies over DC. DC does better animated stuff. But um, I would probably just say Marvel because Spider-Man is my favorite comic book character. Um, and when I'm literally in New York or something in Philly, like I'll literally just like, man, like, it'd be wild just to see a dude swinging, like building the building (laughs) and not be freaked out by it. Right. Like, oh, look, it's Spider-Man and just like continue living my day. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say, even though New York always gets attacked in every single, you know, (laughs) comic book, uh, movie, but like, yeah, like I think being in the Marvel universe in New York, and not being in danger actually you know, uh, would probably be pretty be pretty cool
0: hell yeah awesome guys well thank you for your time I'll uh, I'll link the Liberty and Liberty One website to anybody who wants to check it out and uh, any other parting shots you guys want to want to share
2: nothing for me I appreciate you having us on uh, it's been a lot of fun not something I thought I would, I would be doing this year but I, I really enjoyed it
1: No, I think so. Appreciate the platform. And uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed myself. And I also thank you for having this podcast. I think the the topics you tackle are very important. They should be spoken about.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I think, you know, financial health, financial literacy is part of that. So thank you guys for, for taking the time and I'm sure it was valuable for everyone listening. So cheers. All right, everybody. Well, Did that episode deliver or what? You know, sometimes after I listen back on these things, I really am happy I do this. And I think this is one of the episodes because thinking about even 10 years ago, but definitely a few generations ago, do you think it would have been possible to get two financial advisors, financial planners to sit down and be that transparent about the business, how they operate, their fee structure, or anything like that, or even about how to get into investing and acknowledging that for some people self-directed investing is, is totally fine. You know, that probably would not have happened. And I think that's a testament to this medium of podcasting, but also just how our times are changing and the democratization of information access. And it's awesome. So thank you very much to Jackie and to Julian for their time. And yeah, if you are in that position, Give them a shout to, you know, assess your your current state, of your finances and, and if you feel like you need a hand, they could be a good resource. So thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one and we'll see you in the next episode of the Priority Grow Podcast.